the thing I really wanted was a connection with other dads who I you know, had been through the same thing because I didn't know any. And that was probably one of the hardest things. You've got your friends, but you also need to talk to someone who has been through the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is the hard, that, that one was probably the hardest for me to be able to make that connection with, you know, an in-person connection with someone traveling through the same thing as what you're going through. But just finding people is the hard thing. Like we're all hidden in plain sight. Let's do this then. Welcome along to the Still Parents podcast. I'm Dan, I'm here with Ryan and Matt from the Lily May Foundation. Evening, guys. You all right? I'm very well. I've not seen you. you for a while. No. We had um, a bunch of episodes. The last time I seen you, we did two episodes in a, in a day, didn't we? And then Ryan's been on his jolly since. Yeah. And our guest today on the Still Parents podcast, also in Australia, is uh, Matt McConnell, who you should be able to hear right now. Hang on, let me just check. You can... Matt, can you hear us? Yeah, boys, I can hear you. G'day, good morning, good um, afternoon. And we can hear Matt. <laughs> g'day. I just say, say g'day one more time, I love it. G'day, Matt. <laughs> oh, before we start, if you are a long-time listener, ever since we've had Matt arranged to come on, Matt McConnell, this um, has been our Matt's guest he's been looking forward to a lot, purely because he kept saying to me and Ryan, every time he's seen us for about the last month, oh, I can't wait to get Matt on, because every time I get an email or a message from him, he always starts it with g'day. He's like a, he's like a real Australian. of like, <laughs> It's because he is. Yeah. Geography. <laughs> We've met. Thank you very much. Our last guest actually was also in Australia, but it's a big old country, isn't it? How far away are you from our, our last... Well, in fact, whereabouts in Australia are you? Our last guest was Dan, oh. Dan Crock, who was I'm in. From, uh, I'm from Warrnambool, which is about three hours from Melbourne, if anyone knows Australia at all. End of the Great Ocean Road, so near the 12 Apostles type of area. Uh, yeah, three hours drive from your last guest, Dan Crocker. Three hours drive from your last guest. Yeah. Three hours drive for us would be in France. Yeah, I actually went to southern Spain and it was a two hour, 20 minute flight. Oh yeah, you've just been away, haven't you? You got back, yeah? Yeah. Why haven't you got a suntan? I beg your pardon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why haven't you got a suntan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, when I knocked on the door earlier, so we'll get into it in a second, I was like... Oh, you know when someone gets back a follow down my eyes, he's going to own up in the door, he's going to have his chuffing tan, he's going to look all healthy. You are, by the way, just not with that tan. <laughs> I don't tan. All right. Because I don't go out in the sun. No, I do, but I, I do and I don't. It, <laughs> Which one is it? I'm one of these, like, I don't mind the sun. I don't mind the sun. I don't mind the heat. Yeah. But I hate it when it's humid. Right. What time is it, by the way, where you are, guest Matt McConnell? Because I know, it's, is it like pretty much the middle of the night? Yeah. A little bit past the start of the morning, 10 past five. 10 past five on a Monday morning for Matt. It's still Sunday evening here. So thank you. Thank you very much anyway for joining us on the podcast tonight. We really appreciate you, especially taking the time to get up so early. How did you hear about the, the podcast, by the way? How did you stumble across it? Because we're quite interested seeing as you're so far away. After Rem was born, I think I just looked for anything I could to listen to, to read. Right. As you know, there's not a lot out there yeah. um, and it doesn't, doesn't take a lot to find one of probably only three podcasts there is for us us gents out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a little bit of searching online and um, and here we were. Just started listening. Oh, well, thank you, thank you very much. Um, so no, let's thank you. Let's get into your let's get into your story then. And like we say, 
to every guest. Take as much time as you need. If you would also like to ask Matt anything and you're watching through the live stream, feel free to do so. Ryan's got his eye on the screen. And if you're listening to the not live one and you still like to ask a question, just drop us a message through our Instagram, Still Parents Podcast, or our website as well, stillparentspodcast.co.uk. So Matt, over to you. Please take us through um, your story with uh, your loss of your baby Ren, wasn't it? Yes, correct. All right. So start off, first babe, or first first child's Edie. Um, Edie. Edie was about two and a half years old. We decided, like everyone does, that it's time to have another bub. So that's what we did. Yeah. Um, it come to, it was Good Friday, uh, 2022, last year. I remember it as clear as day. Me and my wife were outside. In, in, in Australia, we've got a fundraiser on, on Good Friday. In, in, in Victoria, they fundraise for the Royal Children's Hospital. Okay. So they, it's one of the biggest fundraisers for our biggest uh, kids' hospital in, I guess, in Victoria, possibly even Australia. And they send fire engines around, fire trucks around, and you, you donate money, you know, you give money. Um, so I remember hearing the sounds of the fire engines coming. So I ran inside and I stole some money out of Edie's money box because like <laughs> a good dad does. <laughs> so, yeah, I go and steal some money. So I put it in my pocket. I never ended up seeing the, the fire trucks that day. Um, we'll get to this. You know, okay. I'll talk about that little bit soon. It's just a bit how your life kind of changes. Yeah. You don't know what's around the corner until it it changes. Mm. At the time, Maddie was 38 weeks pregnant. So right, okay. no issues. Pretty straightforward pregnancy. Fell pregnant naturally. It was about lunchtime and my wife got a, has had a stabbing pain just in the, in, the, in the side of her belly. Being a midwife... We went up to the hospital, so we're at, at her workplace. So we went to her the hospital and put the monitors on. So it was all her girlfriends that were there working at the time. Oh, it was the um, same hospital tool that she works at, right? Okay. Exactly, yeah. So so she works. Our hospital's about five minutes away from our house. Yeah, her workplace. So she was on maternity leave. So we went up to the hospital. They put the this um, CTGs on the the monitors on, yeah. and little bub just wasn't, you know, she wasn't wasn't really playing the game. So we stayed in there for probably three or four hours. No one was too concerned. Yeah. Um, Good Friday, it was a public holiday, so not a lot of staff on. Got to probably six o'clock at night and we decided, look, we're 38 weeks. That's a good time. Edie was born at 37. Mm-hmm. So 38, we'd done a week better than last time. Let's have let's in, start an induction if you're happy. So we said, yep, let's go for it. Let's have a baby. Yeah. And I remember in the back of my mind going, oh, beautiful. We'll get this done. It's Friday. Got a long weekend. I'll be back at the gym on Tuesday, and I'll be able to tell me PT bloke that you know all's good. I've, I've got a little bub, and don't worry, I don't have to take any time off. I can, yeah. I can come to the gym. The induction started probably about seven o'clock at night, and it was just a bit. It just felt a bit tense. I'm I'm not real good with birth. I I, I didn't really enjoy Edie's. I enjoyed the fact that we had a baby afterwards, but I. I stress pretty much there's a picture of me with my asthma pump in the back corner of the room when our first daughter was being born. Like I was having an asthma attack, like I was doing all the hard work um, <laughs> when I wasn't. I was just so, in the back corner. So I get, I get a little bit tense. No, that sounds um, really inappropriate, in, but I'd love to see week. that picture. Like you just sat yeah. there in the background yeah. with you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, sitting in the background being real helpful. <laughs> Dad's do at times. I love the fact uh, someone took a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just seemed to be just a little bit on edge. Okay. Um, was that just a, a like a tangible feeling, or was anyone? T- no, it was why? just like the yeah you know, heart rate monitoring and that you know her or we didn't know if we're having a boy or girl, but the heart rate would drop, but then it'd pop back up again after contraction, and you know it would drop again. They were looking at probably getting something moving pretty quick. This is about okay. 
But at 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, so things progressed reasonably quickly. And then it was about 20 past 11 when it started to turn. That's probably when it, it, it started to turn yeah. south pretty quickly. Out of nowhere, I just heard a doctor yell, cord, and which meant that my wife had suffered a cord prolapse, which meant the umbilical cord had come out, um, which is not ideal. And I, I knew this was not ideal. Um, my wife being a midwife, I'd heard stories about yeah. cord prolapses before. And I was confident that all they needed to do, I knew what they needed to do. I knew that they needed to have, I knew that our baby needed to be born as quick as possible. Yeah. Um, we'd done some, some birth classes before then. And in these birth classes, they said, oh, it's all right. If anything goes wrong, we go straight to the theatre and we can have a baby gone in three or four minutes. So I thought, beautiful. This is, you know, cord prolapse, not good but we can get bubs out straight away. Yeah. So doctor's up on the bed, holding the cord, trying to do what needed to do. I was trying to keep myself together because I knew my wife was stressed. I knew it, it was a pretty risky thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't ideal and I knew it was, yeah. It's hard, it's hard to explain. You know how yeah. bad it can be, but you don't expect it to end up bad. You're always still kind of thinking, that's yeah, all right. We're in the right place. It, it'll all be okay. They wheeled at a theatre. It's now 11.30, Good Friday. Unfortunately, we live in a regional town that we don't have a 24-hour theatre and we don't have 24-hour anaesthetists. These type of things, they're on call. Okay. So we got the theatre and the lights were off. It was dark. There was, was nothing. There was no one there. So we just had to sit there and wait. So we sat there waiting for theatre staff, waiting for anaesthetists. And there's nothing we could do. We had to just sit there and wait. And as the minutes went by, it felt like hours. You're waiting because you know that something really bad's happening. And being me, I couldn't. I couldn't help. There's nothing I could do. I just had to wait. What a horrible situation! Yeah, it, you just, yeah, you're just yeah. feeling helpless, aren't you? It, it is. You are. You're helpless. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that I could do in this situation yeah. to help, apart from try and comfort Maddie, my wife, um, while she was still with me. But then. They took her into theatre um, mm. before the theatre staff and before the anaesthetist got there, which left me out in the corridor. I was sat just in a little waiting spot in the corridor because it was they were waiting. They were going to do an emergency Caesar. I wasn't allowed to be in the room. So from that moment, me and my wife were separated. She went in the theatre, and I was waiting outside in the corridor. You remember some things, and the thing that sticks out to me is there was a clock in the room in the hallway mm. that I could just see sitting there the whole time. Time went so slow. Like you just you're waiting and waiting and waiting. My wife did an incredible job. They um they tried everything to birth our daughter without pain medication because she hadn't had any through the I guess the induction. So the obstetrician tried to birth her and I I was listening to that from the from out the corridor, mm. which is a it's a really hard thing to listen to when you can't be there holding your partner's hand when you know that they need it the most. Yeah. I'm not sure how long it took. I know the, whatever's happened since, it was somewhere between 20 to 25 minutes um, that the anaesthetist that everyone was in the room um, ready, um, I guess, to, to, for the birth of our daughter. Um, I was at the corridor. I had a couple of nurses and that checking in on me. Um, because that's all they could do. Everyone was obviously busy with looking after my wife. Uh, I think it would have been maybe 
an hour after the cord prolapse. It was probably about 12.30 in the morning. A midwife come out and gave me an update that we had a baby girl. So I just started bawling. Like, well, we've, we've done it, you know. My mind thought, well, she's okay. We've got a girl now. We're, we're good. What I hadn't found out is that she, I, I didn't know then, is she had been resuscitated when she was born, um, intubated, um, so put on a ventilator, and she was alive. So I was, I was, I was stoked. I was like, "You beauty!" I didn't know what all the tubes and all that type of stuff were. I just heard that you've got a baby girl, and um, for me, I thought, I thought. We've done it. You That's know, it. After you've all done this, it. it's okay. And it's been a horrible because you're the way you've explained what you've been. You know, you've been outside, and by the sounds of it, right next to the operating theatre. So you are literally just meters away from from your wife. Yeah, um, it was probably, 50, probably t- ten meters, probably ten meters from from where it was all taking place. I was just out in the corridor. What resonates with me there? Uh, Matt, in what you were saying is that you're completely and utterly helpless and you can't do anything to to make things any better other than just be that comfort for, for Maddie. And like you say, you know, that clock that you're looking at, it's almost like every second that it goes forward, it goes back to. And it's absolutely and that resonates with me massively. I've it's, always known that there's risks with pregnancy. Like yeah. I haven't gone into it oblivious. Yeah. I do know that yeah. things can go wrong through pregnancy, but you still don't expect it to happen. Though. No, it's not, not to you happen. anyway. You know, that's, that, that's the hardest thing. You don't, you don't expect it to happen. Thinking back, it's only just reflecting on the memories. I knew I was still shitting myself. I was still stressed because I was still that yeah. worked up from what I've, what we've just been through. Mm. Um, I still haven't seen my wife, Maddie, because she's just had a general anesthetic. So she's unconscious as well through the birth. So she's missed. She, she hasn't, I guess, been awake for the birth as well. So all this is happening um, to our, our daughter behind closed doors and and I don't know what's happening. Maddie's obviously asleep and she doesn't know what's happening. Um, and then they brought, ran out to us or to me. There she was, just this beautiful, perfect little girl. Um, mm. this, yeah, a few tubes and that, but I, I looked past and I was just so proud to be a dad again. I was mm. like, we've done it. I, 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 love, yeah. I love Edie to bits. And I'm like, yep, I'm just this little girl dad now. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, here she is. So I worked, I walked with her and the pediatricians back down to, I guess, the special care nursery um, back down on maternity. So at this moment then, what were you aware, what, what did you know was happening and what were you aware of? Well, I had been told, not on purpose, but I'd been told by a midwife that everything I think is okay, which I took as perfect. That's that's mm, great, mm. and I, I had no reason to question that she wasn't okay. Yeah, I, I thought I thought yeah. that she was she was going to be alright. So that's what I ran with. Mm. Um, I was down at the special care nursery. There was a lot of phone calls going back and forth. I was I was still a bit on edge when I was down. I was I was in there. She had the ventilator going. I'm I'm glad I didn't know what a ventilator was at the time because mm. that would have worried me a lot more. Yeah. I just thought it was, I you know I thought it was just a little machine to help with a little bit of. Topping up of to some assist, breathing. yes, um, <laughs> yeah. I, which I'm glad that I didn't know that it was actually breathing for her at the time. Um, so I went in there. I started taking some photos, and I, I reflect on the photos that I've taken. And they are some really, like, I, I, I should have, I should have, I guess I should have known um, that it was pretty serious. But I didn't. I was just happy to be kind of a dad again. Yeah, you're in that moment, um, aren't you? I am. And, and then at the same time, I'm, I'm really worried for my wife too because she is. Um, 
I still haven't seen her. So it's it's maybe one thirty, two o'clock in the morning after birth at just before midnight. Uh, so she, Ren was born at three minutes to 12 on Good Friday. Um, so yeah, it might've been an hour and a half later. I still hadn't seen my wife because she's still in recovery. So I went to visit her in recovery. Um, you, say, you say there, Matt, that you, maybe you should have known, but ultimately you, you wouldn't allow yourself to go there anyway as a parent, would you? Because No. Because so, so in that respect, I mean, I don't know if, you, if that eats at you and I don't know if that is something that sticks with you where you sort of think to yourself, I should have known. But ultimately, as a, as a parent, you wouldn't ever have left your headspace at that time anyway because you can see that your daughter is there with you. So yeah, I'm yes. glad that I didn't know. Yeah. Because it would have taken away a lot of feelings of just the happiness that we did have yeah. that we'd made through the birth. If I had have known, I think that would have probably put me a lot more on edge. Did you ever it feel... Changed, it, it did change pretty quickly, though. Did you ever feel guilty? Ever have any sort of guilt in the respect of that, like you say there, I should have known, even though you didn't? And maybe that was you putting up barriers potentially to stop yourself from... Nah. No? Not with, not, no, no guilt associated. Like, if, if I had known, it would have made no difference no to di- what had yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm just glad that I didn't understand... Yeah, because then I would have I didn't because my wife wasn't there with me at the time as she was in recovery. Mm. Um, so I, I was on my own in this in the special care nursery. Yeah, um, with a lot of doctors and a lot of phone calls and that type of thing going on. So I'm I'm glad I was oblivious to it. Um, as much as I did know that things can go wrong, I was still oblivious at that time. Yeah. Um, at, at that point, I'm like, well, I have to go and see my wife yeah. because I was worried about her as well. She just had major surgery, um, so I did. I went to recovery and i told her i said we've got a beautiful little girl and she's okay yeah because that's what i believe that yeah, she was absolutely. she was okay yeah um so my wife they said yeah it was it might be 2 two thirty. we took her back down to um to meet her daughter for the first time so wheeled her in on a bed sat her next to her still just recovering from a general anesthetic she mm. was pretty dozy mm. so it was a pretty hard little meeting first meeting for your daughter um but yeah mum and dad and so me and maddie and and rem were all just in the same room it was it was our first meeting was just in a special care nursery Mm. yeah well we thought our daughter was all right yeah absolutely and and why wouldn't you think like i say why wouldn't you think that she was all right I, i i did know that there was we probably weren't out of the woods i guess that was reinforced pretty soon Maybe half an hour later, the head paediatrician, who's a good friend of Maddie's as well, mm. come up and had a chat to us. And he, his words were, hey, guys, um, Ren has suffered some pretty substantial... Um, she's suffered substantially from the birth and has probably gone without oxygen for quite some time. Did you want to palliate here in Warnable? And that's the moment that the penny dropped. That so it was about three o'clock in the morning, Easter Saturday. Everything just come crashing down. We like kind of hit. I thought she was kind of. I thought we thought we, we, we yeah. believed that she was all right. Only only to be asked if we wanted to let our daughter die in Warnable. So it was a it was a reasonable shock. Um, yeah, that was. It was a pretty blunt blunt a blunt little conversation, but. It was no beating around the bush. The guy who told us is a really good friend of yeah. my wife. Yeah, yeah. 
um, who we have nothing but utmost respect for. Um, and yeah, that's what we had to, there was a question we'll pose. He did also offer us that he had been speaking to the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, the one I mentioned before, who yeah. just done the fundraising on yeah. the Good Friday. Yeah. Um, so he's given us an option of palliating in Warnable, saying goodbyes. She's only three hours old, and I don't think we really were ready to say a goodbye just yet. Or they could speak to the team at the kids and see if they'd take her. What they'd do is they were going to actively cool her, so they put her body like on a, a cool bed yeah. um, and cool her body temperature down to maybe 20, no, I don't want to say it. They cool her temperature down. Yeah, I've um, heard of that. To allow the brain to not become further damaged and yeah. let the body recover. Both of our parents, so in the meantime, my mum, I'd called her and got her to come in. Maddie's mum as well had both come into a hospital. So we, we both needed yeah. the support of our parents with us at, the, at that moment and we're lucky that they both live really close by. Um, horrible phone call to make, yeah. call the mum at two o'clock in the morning saying, hey, congratulations, you're a... We've mentioned this before. It's not because yeah. they're expecting this this happiest call that maybe they've ever had, and actually, it's, I guess yeah. as a as a, you know, at least it wasn't you know midday. At least it was at two o'clock in the morning. Nothing good. No no good phone calls ever happened during the night, do they? Yeah, like two o'clock in the morning, I've I've had to call and say, hey, congratulations, you're a grandma again, or you're a nana again. Mm. But there's been something go quite wrong, um, and I need you here. We didn't have to make a decision straight away um, with what Ren, what we decided to do with Ren, um, whether to palliate him warnable or to, to send off. Um, we, we, we spoke to our mums and I think it was pretty obvious that we just wanted to give her every chance yeah. at showing us that what she could do. Yeah. You know, we got her this far. We got her to 38 weeks. She was born. She managed to survive without having oxygen, proper oxygen supply for you know, 30 to 40 minutes, her heart's going again. She had done a couple of breaths on her own. The last thing we wanted to do was say goodbye. We wanted to give her a chance to prove herself. Um, so that's what we decided. Three o'clock in the morning, we decided that, yep, it's not your time. Um, you, you're going to let us know when your time is. So six o'clock in the morning, the air, like an air ambulance pipe of the organisation's called, um, arrived to a local airfield nearby. They bundled her up into a little cocoon and off she went. So six hours after she was born, she was flying to the Royal Children's Hospital and that left me and Maddie in Warrnambool. Just how, thinking, what the fuck has just happened? Yeah, how, yeah. Matt, how is, how, what, yeah. Was, what, what was that? I know it's, you know it's the subject we talk about and it's so sensitive, obviously, but how was that moment when she's flown away? And It oh, was, you know. It's a really, it's a hard one because we knew if she stayed that she was going to die. I think knowing that it was hard saying goodbye, our first goodbye was putting her in, you know, saying goodbye and, and letting her go in this air ambulance. But we knew that was best for her. Like, so it was, it, was, it was hard to say goodbye, but knowing that that's what needed to happen, it made it okay. Right, um, yeah. Even though we went with her, we wanted to be with her, but we knew that she was in the best hands and we knew she was going to the best hospital in the world. Maddie as well, um, she used to work at the Royal Children's Hospital too. So she was a... An intensive care no. kids doctor. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure she'll kill me if she's listening or when she listens back to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's she's also worked um, as a special care nurse 
at the Royal Children's Hospital. So she knew exactly where our daughter was going and what was going to be happening to her. Mm. I felt comfortable knowing that it was the best hospital in the world and she was going to get the best care in the world. And if there was anywhere for her to go, it was there. I need yep. to ask Matt, um, I, I, I've spoken to a, a hell of a lot of bereaved dads yeah. um, and obviously bereaved mums as well. I've spoken to a lot of them. I've had lots of bereaved dads as, as clients for one-to-one support. I've met them through groups. I've met them through other charities and what have you. And I like to think I've got quite a thick skin when it comes down to listening to people's stories. But yours has really pulled at my heartstrings because you can genuinely see that 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 sorry that your story your experience both yourself maddie and baby wren you can you can see how um traumatic it was and you can see how much of an impact that has probably had on you as a person um as a, as a male and i think the question i want to ask you um matt is how have you coped and how have you reacted to what you've experienced one of the first things I come across is I, I honestly thought, oh, shit, because I'm a dad, I mustn't feel anything because mm. I couldn't find anything. Mm. So I tried to, the more I looked in and I, I found podcasts and things, I felt, oh, well, I am allowed to feel a bit of hurt too. I've got to look after myself. So for me personally, I tried to get to the gym as much as I could, tried to run. I had tried to surround myself with not a lot of people, but good mates, good right, close mates. Yeah, the right people, um, yeah. Not big numbers of people. I think the most important thing for me was being surrounded by just some really good people, but only one or two of them. Mm. Um, that's all I needed um, to, com- to confide in. And that was the most important. I didn't have to go out and be with 30 people. Um, you just had to have a couple of really good close mates yeah. that you could call on if you needed to. Yeah, so for me, that was probably the most important thing. Did you ever feel, Matt, that that was like enough? I know that sounds like a really funny question. Like, so you say you went to the gym you ran, you had your mates and stuff. And and I had very similar, I, I, I probably had the, the closer friends, if you like, that I knew or who I could phone at any point of the day or whatever that may be. But I always remember, I think I spoke to you about this, Matt, was um, I remember going out running and I started running for a little bit. I was said like, you know, I'm going to do this half marathon, I'm going to do that half marathon because that was my thing to be able to do. I was aiming for something and I had control over yeah, there's a goal the there. training. There was a goal at the end of it. But one thing I found was then every time I was going out running, I was trying to beat my time. But what I was doing was I was running so fast, I was almost trying to inflict pain on myself to almost try and replace the the loss pain. You could almost say, I suppose to some extent, that it's almost like a a form of self-harm in the respect that you're trying to get it out. And that's why I ask you, Matt, did you find, was that enough? Probably it wasn't. The thing I really wanted was a connection with other dads who I you know, had been through the same thing because I didn't know any. Yeah. Um, and that was probably one of the hardest things. You've got your friends, but you also need to, to talk to someone who has been through the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is the hard, that, that one was probably the hardest for me to be able to make that connection with, you know, an in-person connection with someone traveling through the same thing as what you're going through. But just finding people is the hard thing like we're all hidden in plain sight that's a really yep. good way that's, of, yeah. of putting that hidden in plain yeah, sight yeah that's the first time i've heard that it's really yeah. good yeah. yeah like it we always say over here as well matt that baby loss and i don't think it's i don't think it is as much now as it probably was maybe 10 years ago 
it's such a taboo subject and it's a i think death in general isn't it is is a taboo subject people don't like being yep. um subjected to to being uncomfortable in in conversation for something mm, that maybe well. either they don't understand or haven't experienced themselves is it is it like that in Australia as well is it like that by a taboo sort of subject as well I think it is it is still taboo but I think from what I, over the last 12 months what I've seen here in Australia is there's a lot of things starting to change and it's a really if you can say an exciting time I don't know if exciting is the word for yeah. this community I know what but you there's mean. a lot more coming about whether it be resources and books yeah momentum um, there's more momentum groups. yeah there's a lot more little things that it's not just charities, it's people just doing something off their own back Yeah, wow. to help other people, Yeah, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and that's what I guess I'm, I'm involved in this community now. So you start seeing more, but um, the more you involve yourself in it, the more you do see. And it is really nice to see so many special little things popping mm. up. And you mentioned before we went live, actually, and I thought I, I didn't know about this, and well, none of us did. I thought it was a really nice touch as well. So I'd like to say hello to was it Matt? It was Matt, somewhat a former guest, got in touch with you off his own back yes. didn't he, earlier on. I yes, think it was Matt correct. Stevens, wasn't it? Our last guest was that right? Was it Matt? Yeah, Matt, Matt Stevens. Yeah. Oh, Matt. We had a message off him. Um, Sorry, by the way, if you knew, we do have people on not called Matt from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think what I like about that is. We, we, I mean, we've always said, haven't we, when, when we have our it's individual like clients, building, yeah, it? and it's the peer support yeah. and the network that people yep. build. And and isn't it, I mean, it amazes me nowadays that, you know, you're, what, 12,000 miles away, yet you can still have that. Exactly. That there's, a, there's a common ground for a start. Yeah. Whether, you know, the stories the stories are obviously different, but there is a common ground because yeah. ultimately we're all bereaved dads. I just thought it was lovely that, that Matt did that because he yeah. obviously never spoke to each other before, didn't know each yeah. other, and I think but you are I, bonded I, by this. I, I loved um, listening yeah. to Matt speak. I, I he was a great guest. The back end of his part one live, I, I caught the back end of that live and I just I knew I had to listen to it as soon as it came out online. Mm. Um because as we, I'll, I'll, I'll go through the rest of the Wrens. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get back in to a that, second, yeah. But it, so much from Matt's story resonated with me. And then if you mix in a little bit from Dan's story about the dates and everything that's happened since, it was like, oh, yeah. you guys didn't need me to have on because if you mix a bit of Matt's and a bit of Dan's, well, that was kind of what I felt was like. <laughs> it's kind of like what... Yeah, I'll stick the links to, if you've not heard Matt Stevens' episodes, we did two. I'll stick the links in the description for this one. And yes, you're right, there was a lot of parallels as well. Um, but in particular, the, the hospice care that, that Matt went to, a lot of lengths to talk about on that previous episode. Yeah. So you, to bring Let's us up to speed, it. you're at the, so you've now, the, the helicopter went and you're now at the yep. Royal Children's Hospital in, in Melbourne. Yeah, so I made the decision that, so my wife is still, she's still in recovery. You know, midday next day, she just had the major surgery, you know, the C-section. Um, I needed, I knew that I needed to, or one of us needed to get down to be next to our daughter. Um, so my dad took me to Melbourne. So probably about two or three o'clock in the afternoon, jumped in the car and hightailed it to the Royal Children's Hospital. Jumped out of the car, went to the front desk, started crying uh, yeah. because I was on my own. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was there to go and see my daughter. But I, I didn't know where I was. It's a five-story hospital, and I'm going to see, you know, I haven't seen it all day. First things first, COVID test, please. I had to get the COVID test, walk back outside, sit in the ground on my own for of 10 course. minutes, do a COVID test. 
go back inside, say, here's my knee, you know, I'm good. And then I seen the tins, the rattle tins for collecting money for Good Friday appeal. Yeah. That money that I took from my daughter, I actually got to donate at the <laughs> hospital. You never know how things change. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't know when you need something. And that was one of the things that's really resonated with me is that morning I stole money. The, next, the morning before I stole money from my daughter, you know, and I was able to donate it at the hospital itself. You know, it was only you know, a couple of bucks, but it was one of them things that you just don't know what's around the corner. Yeah, it's the meaning, isn't um, it? Yeah, so I finally got in, go upstairs, found it, and I have to go to another desk. So I got to the desk and I cried again and I had to walk out, come back, said, I'm here to see my daughter. Got sent to, you know, up to the room and um, I went to walk in, but the doctors were all in there. So I waited for a minute. I met the nurse and she was beautiful. She said, I'll sit down here. So I sat at the end of the hallway for a couple of minutes. They just wanted, there was a changeover or something happening. Nothing, uh-huh. nothing serious. Okay. Um, second person I seen was a family friend who is also a NICU nurse. And she just come up and gave me a big hug. Yeah. And that was just incredible. Like Melbourne's got 5 million people. I didn't know she was a nurse there. I haven't seen her for 10 years plus. Wow. And I just got this big hug off someone I knew. And from that moment on, I just felt so comfortable being Good. in the, this big, scary hospital. Went in. Cena um, sat there, held her hand, Ren's hand. She was all the tubes, all the monitors, brain scans. Um, what you could think of was everything was attached. It was it was pretty daunting, but at the same time, you get used to it pretty quick um, because she was alive. She was there with us, and she was in the best place for yeah. her. Yeah. There wasn't really much we could do then, apart from spend time with her. I was staying just at a relative's place around the corner. My wife got an ambulance down that afternoon. Um, they managed to transfer her to the Royal Women's, which is a, a major hospital next door to the Royal Children's. Yeah. Um, so she come down with her mum in, in an ambulance. So she was staying at a hospital there that night. Would have been about 2 o'clock in the morning. I picked her up and took her to the hospital so she could meet Ren again. Maddie was quite nervous knowing, you know, she knows what happens at the Royal Children's Hospital and she was nervous about who was going to be looking after her and all this type of thing. We walked... When she came in, she met the nurse. Um, she's an old English lady and it felt like that she was just our mum. She was phenomenal. Pam, she was just such a beautiful lady. From the moment we met her, it was like, yep, she, just like having, she was, it was like having that person we needed with us in the hospital yeah. with us at, at that time. So Maddie met Ren um, there in the hospital. We were both happy. So we both went home and had a bit of a, a, bit of a nap. I was going to say, you must have been absolutely shattered by yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah it was... It was quite tiring, but I guess we were both able to sleep because we were so comfortable with how, okay, you know, so comfortable with the care that she was getting. And I guess our bodies had to sleep too. Yeah, we yeah. had no choice, but we had to sleep. So that's what we did. Next morning, eight o'clock in the morning, I went and picked my wife up. Um, we went back to hospital and we just sat there. When Ren was two days old, my wife went and bought some pink nail polish downstairs at the at the hospital and you can see it's that pink now yeah, if you boys yeah. can see I it. knew right, there right. was something nails. I yeah. knew um, there was something Matt because yeah, yeah, when we obviously prior to going live I, as soon as um, as soon as she went went away to have a, a coffee or something I said to Dan I said I am adamant he's got pink nail varnish on it and I bet you that's got yep. something to do with his story yeah. Yeah. yeah it does I've had pink nails since Rem was two days old not oh. all of them, yeah. but I just did them for this special occasion today. Mm-hmm. I did them all for the special occasion. What know? do you What do you normally um, do? Just out of interest with it, then, like just a couple? Is it like just as a no? So depend at times. 
I've done a few things where I painted them all. Yeah. But generally, just my ring finger. Okay. Um, I've I've got painted pink because I've got a I've got an impression on a gold ring that I wear behind my wedding ring as well. So that's I guess special. Yeah. Yeah, I always have that, and it's a good one to start a conversation too. Absolutely, <laughs> wow. yeah. you, you took the words right um, yeah. out of my mouth because it's, it can also, it's, it's one of those, isn't it, it? Yeah, it can also scare the shit out of people. <laughs> if you're not ready for it. How, are you wearing all pink though? Because is is that something? Because I can't decide if your hat, if your cap well, is pink or if that's why. Yeah, it is. On so the stream, this, this it is, cap yeah. was donated. This was given to us as a gift right. after Rem was born. A pink hat. A mate gave me a pink jumper. Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's so, one of them things. I wear I wear pink all the time. Yeah, that's great. is that it's something wild. you're always going to do yeah. then with the the, the, the fingers? I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I think that's lovely to do that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um. So my so Ren, Ren's, Ren's two days old, and my wife um went and just painted all her fingernails, oh. and she painted all her toes bright pink. So we've got a two day old bub in Niku um, with oh. these beautiful pink nails. Love it. Um, and she was quickly, the, she was the talk of the, um, she was the talk of the Niku. All the oh, doctors, nice. had, you know, they all hear about it. So they all, they could all come into the room and it's a really serious room. But the first thing I'd say, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, well, I say so it's a conversation starter as well. So that's what we had to do. We had to kind of celebrate. You know, yeah. we had to have fun and that was our way of yes. connecting her to her sister as well because we painted Edie's. Edie's back. Oh, I've forgotten about Edie. Poor Edie now. Yeah. She's back at home with our. She's still looking for her two books, Matt. <laughs> yeah, she, she's still looking for her two books. <laughs> yeah, she's gone home. It's like, why is the $2 missing out of my butt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's, she's staying with our family. Uh, and, she, you know, she's never stayed away from us for more than a night. She's now sleeping in a big girl bed on a, you know, in a makeshift bedroom with our family who were just, it was just incredible how they helped us. But, how old yeah, was she? How old was Edie at the time? Sorry. Two, two and a half. Okay. Right. Two and a half. She knew what was going on. Yeah. She still does know what's going on. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we painted Edie's nails and we painted Ren's nails and then my wife put a picture up of the girl's nails painted and then... Our friends started painting oh, their nails. Wow. I think we've probably received in excess of 100 people sent us pictures with pink nails. That's amazing. Which was, for us, that was one of the most special parts. Like, they were celebrating Ren. Hmm. We knew they were supporting us. A lot of people didn't know the extent of what was happening. Um, what a gesture, though, is, isn't it? It's beautiful. But, you know, we just, and that's why I still paint my nails pink now. Yeah. Good because it just it's that connection that I've got. You know, I've got plenty of connections to Ren, but just that little bit of pink yeah. is something special um, that I just can't – I can't not do it. Mm. Like it might get down to a little bit of pink on my nail, but I, then I have to go, all right, I'm going to repaint it again now type of thing. Mm. Um, I love it. Legacy, so, legacy, yeah. legacy. I would that. suggest that um, Matt, um, our Matt as well, should do it on his toes, but you need to see the state of his toes. So I'm just trying to find a reason. I've heard to about the toes. <laughs> They're not, they ain't toes, mate. A bag of twiglets looks better than them. I've heard about the toes. <laughs> See, they're famous in Australia. What can I say? You know what I mean? Like, That's only because your little toes point in there. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. One's pointing to America and one's pointing to Australia. Yeah, yeah it's like a it's like a it's like a spooky map. <laughs> spooky map. Like a treasure hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just need to put numbers of miles from each city on your toes so you can point to it right, get one of those stands up. Um Brilliant, Matt, Matt McConnell. Thank you so much for uh, for being with us on the podcast today. Let's um, 
so to carry on from where we are, you've you've told us about the what you've done with the nails now. After so it was mad at your wife. She found it and she bought it right. while she was there. I think yeah. that's that's brilliant, and I love the fact that you you still do that and continue to do it. So to moving on from from this up until when you lost Ren, yes. if, if so you don't mind. The idea with of the active cooling was um, for three days of cooling before an MRI scan. Yeah. Um, after three days of cooling, they they slowly warm her up again. Um, to see how the body reacts, and they send her for an MRI. The MRI is, I guess, to see how the brain yeah. has fared through birth. So that was that was the Wednesday. She was born on the Friday night, the Wednesday. They come and picked her up, and she went for an MRI. How are you feeling um, going into get, that? How are you feeling going into that MRI? Because I guess you know it's quite a big moment. Yeah. You know, it's a big moment. Well, see, the, it is a big moment. You try not to think. You, you try not to think about it, but you knew what you were faced. It seemed mm. that she was going to live or she was going to die. Like, it's, mm. like, you know that... It's it, yeah. You you knew it was. You we were hopeful. We always tried oh, to have a glimmer of hope that we would have that good result. You know, you, were, you 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 jump on the internet and Google tells you that you know someone's made it through before from this. So you think, yep, beautiful. Well, we were to hope as well. So in the meantime, all our families had come down as well. This on the Thursday, I was out playing in the park with my parents and. Maddie's parents and Edie, our daughter, was there as well. I got a call from Maddie saying, hey, come back up to the room. The doctors are all here. We've got the results from the MRI. We sat down and the doctor started with, unfortunately, it's catastrophic. And for us, we knew the word that that meant that, unfortunately, our little girl wasn't going to live. The doctor didn't have to tell us anymore. She tried to tell us a little bit. We, we, We didn't need to know much more what we took out of is it was then on us how long we spent now with Ren. we were told that once we withdrew support which is what we had to decide when that she wasn't the the damage caused she probably wasn't going to breathe and she passed away quite quickly they told us that our parents were in the room 50 meters away and the doctor also went and told them as well so we've heard that news then we went to our the room with our parents and we had four grown adults and a child. Just it was it was a pretty messy setup, um, as you can imagine. But for us, probably one of the the best things, and I don't know how we could have done it without her, although she does drive us crazy being a three-year-old now, is our daughter Edie, yeah. because Edie hadn't met her sister yet, and all she wanted to do was meet her sister. So we've just received the worst news that a parent could ever receive. But five minutes later, we took Edie into the hospital room to meet her sister for the first time. She's three years. And Edie, three-year-olds are going to be three years old, aren't they? They don't. Yeah, exactly. And all she, she was so proud. She jumped up on the bed and she's like, "This is my baby sister. Oh. This, this is look, look at baby sister. Look at Ren. This is my baby sister." And she just loved her, just dotted on her. She just kissed her and touching her hair. And she didn't see all the cords. She didn't see the monitors. She didn't see anything. All she seen was a baby sister. And a baby girl, and that's what she was. Yeah. Our parents then come in. As you can imagine, they were quite worked up, but we brought them in too. And um, just seeing Edie with them just brought this sunshine and this light into the room. And it was, it was from what we'd just been told 20 minutes ago to what it was there yeah. and then, it was just amazing. This, yeah, no, no one else could have done that. Look- no. no, we knew what we're looking at, um, but just having Edie in that room with us. We, we were smiling and we were laughing and we knew what we were faced with, but um, yeah. yeah. So we spent 
the, the, the following day, the Friday, we, we all her cousins, sorry, my brothers and sisters and Edie, um, Maddie's brothers and sisters come and had their half an hour, a hello and a goodbye. Um, on the Saturday, we'd organised, we're not religious, but we had a, a priest, uh, uh, sorry, the, the hospital religious guru, I, I guess I'll call him, um, come in and, and we did a naming ceremony. I was a bit nervous about, you know, all that. It's, but he'd done such a good job um, for us. And I, I have still contacted him since and just to thank him a couple of times for what he did. Um, did you start the email we with, were, dear Mr. Guru? <laughs> g'day, g'day, religious guru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so on the on the Saturday we um had um our parents we decided that we'd take with the hospitals, you know, they were able to organise it. Yeah. We put Ren into a little portable um pram with a ventilator and we took her outside. So we took it downstairs as a family, oh. me and Maddie and Edie was pushing the pram. We took her outside um three o'clock on an April day, so it was a beautiful day. Edie was playing in the playground. All the grandparents had a hold. My dad said to this moment, it's one of the most beautiful moments that he's ever had. Wow. Yeah. Um, he, he got a hold. They all got a hold. They all had a cuddle. Maddie and I then got to, you know, it, it got time for them to say goodbye. And our original plan was Sunday. We were going to say goodbye on Sunday with photographers and that in their heartfelt and an amazing organisation here in Australia and New Zealand. They come and they can take photos of your, your baby in their last moments or after the passed away or... Um, so we'd organise that for Sunday, but we got Ren back up to the room. We'd had such a good day. We'd had such a beautiful Saturday. Okay. And we put her back into her cot. And Maddie and I both looked at each other. It was about 5 o'clock at night. And, and we knew that she was tired. And we knew that we didn't. We knew it was time yeah. to say goodbye. So we talked to the nurses and said, hey, guys, we think it's time that we want to withdraw care now. Um, she just looked tired and like we didn't want to keep her going for our benefit we wanted her to she wasn't in pain but we didn't want we we wanted to be on her terms and and we we could see that she told us that it was her time to, you to just, go you just knew right? um, you just knew we just knew and i think as parents it was important for us to be able to see our girl and and know well, how she was feeling she'd had nothing but love like dotted on her for eight days. We just give her so much love and everything we could for her and we just knew it was time. So what do you do when your daughter's about to pass away? You do arts and craft, don't you? So we pulled out the, <laughs> the, the, the I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what are we doing? We're just about to say goodbye. We've got clay footprints happening and we're doing, you know, ink footprints and we're doing trying to get her fingerprints on things. And yeah, you know, it was – it. Knowing what we're looking at, we still had a smile and we still had laughter and we had love. The last thing I wanted to do was both of us sit there and cry because yeah. we, we couldn't, you can't get them moments back. So we had to enjoy yeah, these right. moments. My, one of my, the best things I did and one of the things my wife regrets me doing the most is I took it upon myself to repaint Ren's nails, uh-huh. um, thinking I was doing a really good job. <laughs> Apparently not. Nah, I didn't do a good job. Yeah. Have your kids yeah. ever painted your nails before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that was, yeah. that's what it looked like. Me painting Ren's nose. <laughs> All right, say no more. So, yeah. yeah, so when you fall asleep on the sofa, you don't realize I painted till you go to the shops in the flip flops. <laughs> I wouldn't so know. Our, our, yeah. our room was just full of love. Yeah, um, sounds like I it. I guess we had all the we had all the nurses and doctors in there. 
we knew what we we're looking at so we we both you know we had the bed a beautiful little bed set up in it you know moved all the machines away ring goes onto our chest onto maddie's chest skin to skin we missed her first breaths and her first you know we missed so much but we knew that we were going to treasure these last moments so we sat there for half an hour we we sung songs and we whispered and told her how much we loved her and it's okay you know she doesn't have to be scared we're not scared and then we said to the um said that it's time we were prepared for her not to breathe um that's what they prepared us for and that was the thing that scared me the most is think knowing that she was going she was just about to die and i didn't know how i could do it i didn't know how i'd be able to get through it so they've removed the tubes and just when you think that that's it this little puff of air and she just this beautiful little purr oh, she wow. just she was breathing on her own she breathed on her own for about i think it was half an hour maybe yeah. we had her on her chest and that time we were just sitting there cuddling stroking her back it was it was really nice and then we both knew that it was about quarter past eight we both knew that she passed away and then we called the doctor over and she confirmed that, that yeah she had passed away it's a really interesting thing to try and explain how beautiful death was and it was it was beautiful i still can't get my head around it as much because i'm talking about my daughter passing away but at the same time it was one of the most beautiful things that i've ever seen or been there for you've explained it amazingly it's it's weird to say like i feel there no, no. like you just yeah, yeah. you put us you, right you've put us there yeah. the way you've painted those yeah. the, the pictures and 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 the scenario and every every sort of pertinent moment th throughout that from yeah. the bluntness of the news to the <laughs> to the, the last breaths the, to the pe nail painting to everything you've been amazing it was it was it was it was a perfect little yeah you know if it was a perfect if i was going to go i'd I'd go nice and peaceful like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was really, it was really nice, and I treasure. I just, if I'm having a bad time, I, I think back to that, just that perfectness and that beautifulness yeah. of that moment where it was us. I know our daughter wasn't there, but our daughter, we told she was outside looking at the stars at that moment. So, you know, yeah, it was just, it was really special, and I, I just love telling the story. I, I love it that she. It's beautiful. Was able to breathe on her own. Yeah. I think oh. I wanted to yeah. um, mention uh, the medic the, the care, the medical care from what you've said. I think it sounds like they've they're they're really on point down in was it Melbourne oh, where you're at? Because yeah. yeah. they get it a lot of stick, don't they? Especially in the uh, but I think this oh, is yeah. the you've really Yeah, they, they it sounds like they've really they really did everything that they, they could have done. Which obviously yep. you're supposed to do. That's sorry, that's a stupid thing to say, but just the way they went about it, mm. I guess. Yeah, it was it was it was really good, and we were in the best hospital in the world. Um, so you'd hope it is up to scratch as well. Yeah. But from well, the is care it actually that we the best? Is it actually the best hospital? Is that a, is that a thing? I think you look it up. It's up there as one of oh, the, wow. the best in the world. Um, the Royal Children's, even the, the care that we received in Warrnambool at our local hospital. Yeah. The care that started, like that they started doing for Ren when the moment she was born. Yeah. didn't change as she was flown and as she arrived to Melbourne. So she had the absolute best care that she could have ever had yeah, to I give her every chance at making it. Unfortunately for everyone, yeah. that what happened before the birth had already done the damage. Um, but the care that she received was just incredible. The way you've told your story, Matt, 
the way that you've spoken with such dignity and the way that you've clearly shown how emotional your experience is. As we know, it's emotional, but the fact that you're the strength that you've shown and, and how you've almost put us, you've almost taken us on a journey and, and sat us in that exact room yep. with you. Oh. I mean, I'm sure you're exhausted saying it. I'm, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm, you've really pulled on my heartstrings and I'm exhausted listening to it. But I, like I said, I think you've done your little girl proud, believe me. You really have done your little girl proud because um, the way you've told your story was fantastic. Breathtaking. That's all I can say. I'll, I'll, finish, I'll just finish off with just this little bit about her story. We, um, because we're in Melbourne, we're three hours from home. So we'd, we'd already had to, had that conversation with the funeral homes that we have to have. You know, that stuff yeah. that you yeah. might have to do is organise funeral homes and pickups. And we're three hours from home. It was another long weekend. So when Ren passed away, I cleaned a nappy. She'd done her first poo, which was nice. So I got to clean a shitty nappy. <laughs> um, dressed her. Gave her a good cuddle and then we actually put her in a car seat and with some ice packs underneath it, got a letter from the hospital to say, if anyone pulls up this car, yeah, there is oh, a deceased gosh. baby. Oh, wow. We put her in the car and we, we drove back to our house in Waterbury as, oh as a family. Goodness, that's, that's a, amazing. That's I didn't realise that. Yeah, I've, I hadn't thought that. Imagine if you just amazing. get like a routine yeah. check. So yeah, you have to get like a, to... a letter from the, the, we... the hospital. Do they do that? Is that something yeah. that... I, I must admit it's the first time I've ever heard yeah, that happen. It's the first, first, first time I've heard, but yeah. Wow. I imagine That's... you can do it. And that was from my wife as well. She's like, no, I don't want to leave her here. No, I didn't yeah. know it was an option. My wife said, no, we're not, we're not going to leave her here. We're going to take it home with us. Yeah. Um, because the funeral home was three hours away. Yeah. And it was a Sunday night, Saturday, Sunday night. And yeah, we, 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 we loaded her up. I sat in the middle of the car. My father-in-law drove. Maddie was in the front. I was in the middle of two seats. A few days beforehand, I'd taken the baby seat out of the car when I had the chance because I didn't want to go home without a baby, mm. you know, without a baby in the baby seat. So when we decided we we're going to take it home, I quickly had to put that back in again. <laughs> um, so we put it back in. Maddie got to carry, ran out of the hospital in her arms yeah. at ten o'clock at night. Mm. So we just carried her out like parents would, leaving yeah. the hospital. Yeah. Wow! And we loaded her up into our car like parents do yeah. and we actually got to feel like we we're taking our girl home because we were we mm. got to take her home and mentally um, those things are so they're such an impression they've left and it'll be so important because they add those they the way that you you know you say these things with that love and with that smile through the tragedy that's amazing yeah. and I know I only got I, I, when I say only I, I probably only got to cuddle Ren four to five times but I also got to sit in the middle of her and her sister from Melbourne to Warrnambool holding a hand, yeah. holding both their hands for three hours. Mm. So for me, that was just, it was really special. When we got home, we did have to say goodbye. We, we had yeah. arranged the funeral director to come and pick her up. Mm. Um, but we had cups of tea on our couch with, our, with my parents and Maddie's parents at three o'clock in the morning yeah. before saying a goodbye. That was, that was the hard goodbye. It's like a bittersweet, a bittersweet ending, isn't it? Just, yeah. Um, wow. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of things, I guess, differently. Um, which has helped us on our journey. Like and I think have to, yeah. I think it's really important for people listening to the podcast as well, because like we say, we get, you know, everyone's here because of the same reason for their loss, but it's the differences in those stories and how something that someone listening will be able to relate to you or maybe, you know, take an idea. It, I know it's only 18 months since, since you lost Ren, but someone listening to the show right now where it's, 
only been a few weeks or they're looking to find that that kindred spirit to do and like like we say with all of our guests and it's so important to have those resources with these and with the other podcasts that are about so for people if they'd like you want to come on and and share that story and all that amazing detail that you've had or if you just you're not ready to talk yet which you just want you just want to listen whether it's for a whole episode or just for a chunk of it that's that's what this is for so um, you've been amazing Matt yeah yeah just yeah Thanks, guys. Before before we go, would you like to uh, tell everybody about Noah, please? So Noah's yeah. our little, I guess you'd call Rainbow. Yeah. Noah's two and a half months old. Um, Noah's just a little legend. I don't know if <laughs> he he is, or it's just because of what you've been through um, that you you'd hold a screaming baby all day and think it, the sun shone out his ass. <laughs> it's, it's he's just <laughs> Noah's incredible. He's the most placid, down to earth little boy. He's what we really needed. Have you nicked yeah, any of his spending money yet? <laughs> I haven't stolen any money yet. Yeah. I don't give it to him yet. I mean... <laughs> Good lad. I, no, he's, so he's, he's, he's coming up three months old now. He has been really healing for Maddie and I, but at the same time, it was a really difficult thing to navigate. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. He's eight days with Noah, and the eight days you were comparing a bit to Ren, what oh, we had, and then all of a sudden we realised the magnitude of our loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, when eight days with Noah turning to nine and 10 and 11, where we, we, we realized once again what we missed out on with Ren, mm-hmm. that you couldn't get back. But yeah, it has been really not healing, healing in a way. We love him to bits. He's the perfect little addition to our family. But yeah, and he's going to hopefully grow up just admiring his little big sister. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. That's his little big sister. Yeah. yeah. That's what I say to the girls, little big sister. Yeah. 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 Gents, anything you want to add? No, I think I've I've already said I'm I'm uh, yeah I'm in awe of you, Matt. I think, like I say, the way that you've spoken, the way that you've told your story, is um, credit to you and your family. And um, it's just such a shame you're twelve thousand miles away, isn't it? It'd, it'd be great to meet you one day, and hopefully, if we get enough money, in, you never know, we might get a flight over to Australia. I don't think I'll ever get that through the books, like, but you know, yeah. you've got you've got a few trips. <laughs> Because now oh, we're going to LA. We've got to go to LA to go and see one of our previous guests. Because Matt wants to go and touch the Hollywood sign. Absolutely, I want to high five it. Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah. And but um, no, like I, I say, I, I um, yeah, yeah, no, really, um, great guest, Matt. Thank you very yeah. much for coming on and sharing your story. What have you got planned now? Because obviously, it's what it's quarter past six in the morning. Quarter past six in the morning. I'm going to probably go and see how Noah is now. Yeah. Take him for an hour or two, and I might uh, spend a little bit of time on my own, go for a little jog. Yep. I think I said to you boys a bit earlier. Yeah. Might just go and have a bit of a run. Yeah. So, um, I got the day off today. I took the day off. Okay. Um, just yeah. for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just a bit of a chill out day. All right. Brilliant. Family day. Well, thank, thank you so much for coming on. And look, anyone, it doesn't matter where you're listening from, whether you're in Australia, uh, like Matt and, and Dan, our, our last two guests that we've had. If you would like to join us, just drop us a message through our website. You can reach us there, stillparentspodcast.co.uk. Also, of course, through our Instagram, stillparentspodcast. Just before we finish, I just want to say, like, sometimes I feel like you meet people somehow in your life that you kind of think, you know what, I'm just really, I'm just really glad I've met them. And I, and yeah, I, yeah. I think that's what I've got to say about about you, Matt. I think you've just like yeah, you know, Thanks, you, Matt. yeah. I think it's just ama- you've, am- amazing. You've got your birthday, haven't you? Coming up in a few months, December. You should probably invite Matt over to your uh, <laughs> chief because you got your big birthday, haven't you? You got your fortieth coming Listen, up, haven't you? Dan, 
Dan. Yeah. Listen, speed to Crystal. All right. It, it was a surprise. I didn't know right. who was coming. Did you have a good party okay. yesterday? Yeah, I did. Yeah, but I didn't know who was coming. Did you? Did you know about this one? <laughs> I did, and actually, I thought you were coming. <laughs> <laughs> I got piled off by Matt on the <laughs> How are you? Bl- I'm not even biting to this. How are you blaming me? You're still biting. Yeah. Did Matt tell you about um, the really kind couple that that um, they met <laughs> in a restaurant? In Birmingham. Oh, yeah. Right. Now, this yeah. is this is this really is good, amazing. Actually. This is Matt. Yes. Honestly, you'll like this. Yeah. So, Dan, I am very sorry. I love you to bits. Okay, and I always will do. But speak, <laughs> but speak to Crystal. Matt walked in tonight. One. You know, and you All can right. tell Matt's like, not was... biting, is he? He's no. not biting. No, at no. I had to. I had to. I wanted to be honest with Dan. He walked in tonight all serious. Like Dan, I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> I'm like, what? What's up? But you I can't right. believe I've had to do it. Crystal should have done it anyway. Uh, like, anyway, so it's okay. fine, mate. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> Sitting up no. for you anyway. Okay. <laughs> a couple a couple of weeks back, we um we went out um for some food in Birmingham, and um I had my still parents podcast hoodie on because that's the only clothes that I wear apparently. But it's true, I wear it quite a lot. I quite like the hoodie. We went to a place <laughs> called Bills in Birmingham, and um I I just we'd had our meal. Etta was with us as well. We, we yeah. so we, we the bill was going to come to a you know a nice amount I suppose. And we went. I went to the toilet, came back. Crystal said the bill's been paid for, and I was like, what? <laughs> and, right. And basically, the waitress who was um, who was working uh, came over, said to Crystal, "Family behind has has paid for your entire meal because they'd noticed your husband's um, podcast hoodie, and they were just so grateful as to what." what you guys do and they just wanted to kind of repay the what we'd done and yeah so did so, you speak to them no we no oh, they'd already gone they'd already gone and then we oh wow and then we tried to find them in so it's Bur- like a selfless selfless gesture as well wasn't and then, it and then we tried to find them in birmingham because right. we wanted to go around birmingham and try and thank them right that's amazing I, that's it, really kind of them to do that i i just i felt like i've got it, mine on now because i've got to get uh, petrol on the way home what, what made <laughs> what made me laugh though is i put it on the podcast group and then i said to, i told crystal dan said he's gonna go to aldi later and try and <laughs> yeah it works <laughs> got his whole weekly shop yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um no i i just for about half an hour afterwards me and crystal just didn't know what to say to each other because it's one of those things right you you, you don't know what you're doing until you I suppose until you're actually in it and and well, it resonated with them somehow, didn't and, it? And, and yeah. I, I said to Ryan, I said the thing is the big thing for me as well when I came into the to the office on um, the next time I saw Ryan, I said it just shows as well how far the charity and the podcast has has, has come really because like the fact that someone has noticed my hoodie and then bothered to. Google. What well, they might have had an experience themselves. I don't know. I might. I probably will never know. But um, them. Well, it, yeah. But, yeah. but the in fact, fact, if that I mean? if like, that was if that was you, please yeah. do get in touch with us because Honestly, it'd be yeah, great like, to, to to speak with you. Thank you very much. We are the Still Parents Podcast. We'll be back very soon. And uh, once again to Matt McConnell, thank you very much for for joining us, Matt. And we will definitely speak to you again and get you back on at a future date. Thank you very much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Matt. Wonderful. Did you want to say something, Ryan? You just put your hand up. No, no, I was no, just waving. Done. Oh, okay. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. This has been the Still Parents Podcast. Take care. Cheers, guys.